0: Now today, we're going to jump right in to our uh, message today. And one of the things I love about Easter Sunday is that for 2,000 years now, more than 2,000, almost 2,000, Christians have been gathered together all around the world on Easter Sunday, celebrating together that Jesus is alive. Now I want you to think about this, 2,000 years is a really long time. There's no nations on the earth, no kingdoms on the earth that have lasted 2,000 years. But together, Christians have been celebrating a risen King Jesus with two today. It's estimated 2.3 billion Christians will gather together in Easter services to celebrate a Our King Jesus. It is not an overstatement, friends, to say that Easter is the most significant day in all of human history. So we've got a lot of ground to cover because for us to really understand why that statement is true, I think what we need to do is see what was happening that day as Jesus conquered sin and death once and for all. So if you remember, just one week ago was Palm Sunday. One week ago, we celebrated on Palm Sunday that Jesus entered into the city of Jerusalem as the crowd shouted out, Hosanna, meaning save us. And they laid palm branches in front of Jesus as he rode into the city. Now just picture this. Jesus comes into the city and the crowd's so excited because they think Jesus is going to go on up to the uh, throne. He's going to sit down on the throne, on David's throne. He's going to kick the Romans out of the city. We're going to be free finally once and for all. But if you know the story, Jesus didn't do that. Instead, Jesus goes to the temple and he starts turning over tables. He starts Causing a ruckus on the busiest temple day of the year. Imagine this is the Black Friday sales day of the year at the temple before Passover. And Jesus is there knocking over tables. And they're thinking, wait a minute. This isn't what we thought he was going to do. We thought he was going to get rid of the Romans. And now this is what he's up to? And just four days after that crowd welcomed Jesus as uh, the Savior, as the son of David, just four days after their shouts of Hosanna, they begin shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Picture this, Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane, a place he loved to go and pray, surrounded by his disciples on Thursday night. And one of his own 12 disciples, one of his inner core One of the 12 betrays him and sells him to the Jewish leaders and to the Romans for some silver for his pocket. Jesus is betrayed and he's taken through a bunch of sham trials. That night they abuse him. That night they whip him. That night they torture him. All because they're trying to make the crowds happy. They're trying to say if we hurt him enough maybe the crowds will relent but they just want Jesus' death. So finally, It says this in John 19, 16 through 30. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city And the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. But Pilate answered, What I've written, I've written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four shares, one for each of them with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide who gets it. Let's decide by lot who gets it. This happened that scripture might be fulfilled that said they divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garments. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here's your son. And to the disciple, here's your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked the sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. But what was Jesus talking about? What? was finished what is Jesus referencing here just that his life is finished see because what Jesus is saying here in this moment by giving up his spirit by his death Jesus is proclaiming to you and I friends that the dividing wall that stands between mankind and God that dividing wall called sin Once and for all, Jesus was dealing with the issue at its root so that no longer mankind is separated away from God. Ever since Adam and Eve, ever since the Garden of Eden, mankind has been separated because of our sin from God, but Jesus on the cross was dealing the death blow to death and sin itself. And at that moment on the cross, Jesus was providing us everything we needed to step back into God's dream for our lives. The book of Matthew tells us this, Matthew 27, 50 through 54. When Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and rocks split and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that was happening, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. Of God, picture this with me, the sky grows dark, the earth begins to shake, the temple veil, the veil that separated God and his presence away from his people, where the holiness of God dwelled away from his people, that curtain is ripped in two, graves are literally popping open, and resurrected bodies are now walking around the streets of the city, this is an unusual day, friends. You have to understand this: the power of the cross is bigger than anything our minds can fathom. It even affected those who were dead. Listen to what Colossians 1:21 through twenty-two says. Once again, you were alienated from God, and you were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior, but now. Isn't that a good but now? But now, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. See, friends, today is Easter Sunday. And Easter Sunday, I just want to present to you the gospel. And you know what that word gospel means? The word gospel means good news. And today I want to tell you three pieces of really, really good news that Jesus' death and resurrection means for us. And the first piece of good news we actually find right here in this verse, Colossians 1, 21 through 22. The first piece of good news, if you're a note taker in your note sheet, will be this. Jesus reconciled us to God. Jesus reconciled us to God. That word, uh, the, the Latin root of that word re means, to, uh, means back, and conciler means to bring back together. So if you take that word, it means to re-bring back together God. It's what Jesus was doing on the cross. He was bringing us back together with God. Back to God's original dream and plan for our lives. Friends, Easter means there's no longer a divide between God and mankind. That you and I can have the kind of relationship with God that he designed for us to live in. That there's nothing that stands between God and his people who receive him through the free gift of salvation by faith. See, Jesus sacrifice to make a way for us to find our way back into God's dream for our lives the cross I like the picture like a battering ram that Jesus used to actually break down that wall of sin that separated us away from God and friends this is good news for you and I isn't it through Jesus's death by his sacrifice and by his shed blood we are forgiven of our sins once and for all for those of us who place our faith in Jesus Christ. This is good news. But if you ever watch those late night TV infomercials, which maybe I have on occasion got suckered into, as you're watching, they present you the good news, but then what do they do? But wait, there's more. See, after Jesus' death is confirmed by a Roman guard bringing a spear to Jesus and actually puncturing his heart in the fluid sac that surrounds his heart, confirming that Jesus was indeed dead. Jesus was dead hanging on the cross. Then Joseph of Arimathea comes with Nicodemus, the same Nicodemus, the Pharisee, who earlier in the story Jesus had met with at night and talked to about being born again. The same Nicodemus that John 3.16 is Jesus talking to Nicodemus about how much God loves the world. Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, and according to Matthew, a couple of the Marys or a few of the Marys are there At the tomb, they take Jesus' body down from the cross, but sun is starting to set. And remember, the Jewish Sabbath begins when sun sets, so they're in a hurry. They take Jesus' body to the tomb. They don't have time to do everything that they're wanting to do, but they decide they'll put him in the tomb and they'll come back after Sabbath early in the morning to finish their preparations. Now, apparently, the religious leaders were listening to the words of Jesus better than Jesus' own disciples. Because, listen what happens next, Matthew 27, 62 through 66. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I'll rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be even worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting a guard. Okay, friends, are you ready? That's not a hypothetical. Are you ready? Here we go. Matthew 28, 1 through 10. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Don't be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go and tell his disciples he is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Friends, the resurrection of Jesus that we are celebrating here today on Easter Sunday, the reason I said at the very beginning that it's the most important day in all of human history is because it changes everything. The fact that Jesus rose from the dead means that he is who he said he was. Jesus was clear when questioned, when asked. He didn't beat around the bush. Jesus was clear that he was God's son, that he was the Messiah, that he and the Father were one. And he told us these things so that when he rose again from the dead, we would be certain that Jesus was telling the truth. And what the resurrection means, what Easter means, is that Jesus really is the Lord of heaven and earth. Jesus really is seated on his throne. Jesus really is in glory. Jesus really has the power over sin and death. And that is really good news for you and I today. Are you ready for some more good news? Here's number two. Here's more good news. Jesus rose from the dead for you for you. See, the good news of Easter is not only that Jesus rose from the dead, but it's that he rose from the dead for you. We read about this in Romans 4.25. It says, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Now, We often talk about the fact that Jesus died for our sin, and that's an important conversation. It's true. The wages of sin is death. We all deserve death. We had death coming to us because of our own actions, but Jesus chose willingly to die on our behalf for our sin. But the good news of the gospel is not just that Jesus died for our sin, but also that he was raised to life for our justification. Now that sounds like a really important thing, but what does it actually mean? What does it mean that he was raised to life for our justification? It is important because without it, none of us would actually be saved. See, justification means that through Jesus, God declares you and I to be righteous in his sight. That just as, this is mind-blowing, just as God put our sin on Jesus on the cross, he also took Jesus' righteousness and put it on us who place our faith in Jesus Christ. Friends, do you see how enormous this is? That when the Father sees you and I, when you and I come to the Father in prayer, we don't come to the Father as someone who is in our own righteousness. We come to the Father as somebody who has the righteousness of Jesus on us. Boy, that's good news. The Encyclopedia Britannica defines Christian justification like this. The act by which God moves a willing person from the state of sin Injustice to the state of grace, justice. The change in a person's condition moving from a state of sin to a state of righteousness. Think about this, friends. God gives you a righteousness that doesn't belong to you, that you could never earn, that you don't deserve. He gives you the righteousness of His one and only perfect Son, Jesus. For anyone, who will receive him and accept him the righteousness of Christ is available for us and that is really good news so how does Jesus' resurrection bring our justification this is a question that uh, i'm going to share you the same analogy i always use sorry i don't have that many analogies okay so i'm just going to use the same one i always use cuz i find it helpful myself in understanding justification so today if i had a check for a million dollars. Who would like that? Anyone? Okay. Yeah, Herb would like it. So, I would give this check to my Uncle Herb for a million dollars, and it's Easter Sunday, so the bank's closed, obviously, right? So, he's got to deposit this check, so he's going to go to the ATM, and he's going to stick the check in the bank, right? He's going to go home thinking, oh, this is wonderful, except here's the problem. Three business days later, when the bank is doing their business, that check is going to bounce, right? Because I don't have funds to cover it. Now, when a check bounces, how much of it do you get? None of it. And your bank's probably going to charge you a fee on top of that. When a check doesn't clear the bank, you don't get part. You get none. Well, friends, on Good Friday, God wrote the biggest check in all of human history. On Good Friday, God wrote a check for the sin of the entire world. It was big. It was infinitely enormous. Now, I didn't make a mistake. I put 33 because, you know, it's 33 AD, okay? So some people after the first said, you accidentally wrote 33. No, I did it on purpose, okay? So Jesus, on the day he died, on the day he rose again, Wrote a check for the biggest amount in all of human history. And here's the good news of Easter. Three days after the check was written, it cleared the bank. The check went through. The money was transferred into your account. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. But the check cleared the bank. Friends, that's the good news of Easter. You couldn't earn this. This isn't about what you have done. This is all about the fact that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, paid the price and God accepted the payment. And now you have been made a cosigner on Jesus' account. I want you to think about that reality for a minute. Your name has been added to his account. His righteousness is now yours this is really good news. But wait, there's more. Number three. Number three, you can conquer death too. You can conquer death too. It's not just a great story about Jesus conquering death. The wonderful truth, the gospel of Easter, is that you can conquer death too. The good news just keeps on coming. The good news, the gospel is this, friends, that because of Easter, God is willing to share not just his righteousness with you, but also his resurrection with you. See, Jesus didn't rise from the dead just to make us better. He also rose from the dead so that we could rise from the dead. Romans six five says it like this, For if we have been united with him in his if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. But I have to have point something out here, friends. There is actually a condition present in this verse. Right at the beginning it says, if we have been united with him in his death, we will certainly be united with him in his resurrection. What that means is, friends, that if We are not united with Jesus in his death. Then we are not united with Jesus in his resurrection. But here's some more good news for you today. The Bible spells out to us with clarity what it means to be united with Jesus in his death. The Bible tells us that if we will place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. The Bible teaches us that if we will believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died on the cross for our sin and that he rose again from the dead, that we will be saved. And that means we are joined together with Christ in his death. And the Bible promises if we're joined with him in his death, we're also joined with him in his life. Friends, we practice baptism to signify this exact truth. Next week, I'm starting a series called Christian Practices. Next week, we'll look at baptism and communion. And we're going to look at Sabbath and rest. And we're going to look together at scripture and prayer and fasting. It's just a four week, but I want to look at some of the important practices of our Christian faith together. Because friends, in baptism, what we are doing is we are being uh, symbolically showing that we are connected to Jesus' death. And as we go into the water, that we've joined Jesus in death. And when we're raised up out of the water, that we've also joined him in his resurrection life. Jesus told us to be obedient and be baptized. And so I want to just say to you, if you're here today and you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ but have not yet been baptized, then it's time. It's time because I believe, friends, that when we are obedient to what God has asked us to do, that there's great benefit in that for us as believers, that God designed for us to walk in obedience. And so friends, if you haven't been baptized, talk to me afterwards because we're baptizing next week as part of this service. So if you haven't been baptized, we'd love to add you to that list as well. So in baptism, we are representing this truth that we have been joined together with Jesus in his death and in his resurrection. But I don't know about you. When I was growing up, I always thought about the resurrection and eternal life as something that was coming in the future. Something that was someday when we finally reach heaven that we begin to live in eternal life. And certainly there's, there's some reality that they're in this world we still have things that we experience. But one of the things about Easter that's such good news, friends, is here. I'll just let N.T. Wright explain it to you. N.T. is one of my favorite authors, and here's how he said it. <clears throat> when Jesus emerged from the tomb, justice, spirituality, relationship, and beauty rose with him. Something has happened in and through Jesus as a result of which... The world is a different place. A place where heaven and earth have been joined forever. God's future has arrived in the present. The Apostle Paul puts it like this in Romans eight eleven: <clears throat> If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who has raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Because of his spirit who lives in you. Band, you can come back up. One of the things, friends, that's just so shockingly amazing about the good news of Easter Sunday is that we don't have to wait till someday when we finally reach the end of our life here on this earth to experience God's resurrection power in and through our lives. It's available to you and I today. The good news of Easter is it's not a -a once-a-year holiday. The good news of Easter is the resurrection changes everything. We as Christians are a resurrection people. Our lives are marked by the resurrection. Everything that we say and everything that we do is affected by what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross and raising again to life from the dead. Friends, it means that our relationships can experience healing on this earth. It means our minds can experience newness and transformation on this earth. Friends, it means that we can be revived and that we can be transformed and that we can see reconciliation and restoration because Jesus is alive. He's on his throne and his spirit is living amongst and in his people. Friends, this is the good news of Easter. That God saved us and rescued us. That we're not divided any longer away from God. And that God is right now, today, I believe with all my heart that Jesus is still doing the work that he did when he lived on this earth. When he lived on this earth, the Bible says that he came to seek and save those who were lost. And friends, today, there are some of you here today That I just believe with all my heart that even right at this moment, Jesus is speaking into your heart. He's saying, I love you. I want you. I brought you here today so that you would know that that is true. That I have a desire to love on you. And friends, that's what Easter is all about. Our Lord and Savior wants to give you a resurrection in your life. Not just the one that you'll have someday in the future, but today. That resurrection power is available to each of us. This is good news.